Well, it's great to be here with you again. I always tell everybody that Higher Vision Church is my church away from my church. And it has been one of the joy and privileges of my life to serve on the board of directors since uh, Higher Vision began. And I have spoke at every building that you guys have been in. And I want to say that this one is the nicest. This is, this is a very nice building. But uh, this is the first Father's Day in 12 years I've not spoke at my church. Uh, so this is a little bit different. But I do want to say that Father's Day is one of my favorite weekends of the year to preach. And that is because I get the opportunity to be completely unedited and unapologetic about dudes. So, fellas, I want to say this morning, this is for you. So you can secretly high-five me after the service or sneak by me and give me a fist bump afterwards because you will thank me when it's all done. I'm going to introduce you to my family real quick because uh, I will be making fun of them throughout the service, and that will help you uh, put a name to face. But go ahead and pop up the picture of my family. There they are. Um, off to my left is my wife, Di, and today is our 24th wedding anniversary. We've been happily married for 24 years. Um, she is with my son, Elijah, who's the first one you see off on uh, your left, my right. Um, he has been playing at a regional soccer tournament in Colorado. He is a part of the best U15 team in the state of Washington. Uh, they won the state and went off to regionals, and they finished up yesterday and got third at regionals. So we're really proud of Elijah, but they cannot be here with me today. But next to Elijah is my daughter, Rachel. She is a junior at the University of Washington. And then on my far left, your far right, is my other twin son, Judah. He is 15. Him and his brother are sophomores at Glacier Peak High School, and I'm happy to have two of my kids here with me on Father's Day, so please embarrass them as I make them stand. This is Rachel and Judah. Again, it's a privilege to be here this morning sharing with you. Jared and Devette are two of my dearest friends. Um, I'm also and Kimberly, the rest of your staff also, they're pretty cool. But uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak on Father's Day because in our culture today, there is a lot of negativity about men. But I want to hear you say, hear, I want you to hear me say that I'm proud to be a man. In fact, I thank God every day that I am not a woman. Now, don't get me wrong. I love women. I really love one woman, but I am way too wimpy to ever give birth. So I am thankful that I'm a man. Uh, there was a book that was written several years ago called uh, Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti. And in this book, it talks about several of the reasons that it's great to be a man. So I want to share some of the reasons that it's great to be a man here with you today, and if you're offended by any of these, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it, so don't shoot the messenger. So why is it great to be a man? Because we can open our own jars. Why is it great to be a man? Because we can go to the bathroom without a support group. 
Why is it great to be a man? Because we can kill our own food. Why is it great to be a man? Because if someone forgets to invite us to something, they can still be our friend. Why is it great to be a man? Because we can sit quietly and watch a game with a friend for hours without thinking, he must be mad at me. (laughs) Why is it great to be a man? Because if another guy shows up at a party in the same outfit, we just might become lifelong friends. (laughs) And I like to add, why is it great to be a man? Because I can kill my own spiders. It's great to be a man. Um, Today I'm going to answer the man mystery. So I'm going to help all of you ladies unwrap the puzzle that is that man in your life. And I'm also going to help all of the men articulate to the women in your life Maybe something you always wished you could say, uh, but maybe were too afraid to say or didn't have the right words to say. So today we're going to talk about the man mystery. I want to ask everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone say, Dear Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about the three things that every man needs. Three things that every man needs. Number one, I believe that every man needs a purpose to drive and motivate him. You see, and this goes beyond a job. You see, what every man needs is a sense of purpose. He needs a sense of destiny. Men need to understand the why we exist. Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 16 that the appetite of laborers works for them, that their hunger drives them on. Men like to work. In fact, there are many men, we love our jobs. Men like to achieve success. They like to start things and see them completed. Men have an innate, God-given drive and motivation that serves a greater purpose in his life. And oftentimes, whenever I do marriage counseling, this is difficult for some women to understand. And it is because, uh, and psychologists have dissected this for decades that there are different things that men and women value. Um, Women value most, and they find their personal sense of self-worth tied up in their relationships. They want to have deep, fulfilling relationships. They find their value in their relationship with their husband and their kids and those around them they love. But a man oftentimes... His value and his sense of self-worth is tied up in what he does. Now, I'm not saying that a man doesn't love his family. He does deeply love his family just like a woman does. But they play themselves out 
in different ways. You see, the reason that a man works really hard, the reason that sometimes your husband will get up early and go to work and stay late at work and bring work home is one of the ways that he shows his love for his family, wants his family to be proud of how hard he works. He wants those that he loves to know that he is going to do whatever it takes to meet the needs that that family has. Your husband or your future husband is wired by God to live life for a purpose. And it is that purpose that drives and motivates him. Proverbs reminds us that laziness brings on deep sleep. And it says, but the shiftless go hungry. You see, a shiftless man is a man without a purpose. And a man without a purpose is lost. That's why if your husband has ever lost a job, been laid off from work, um, oftentimes his sense of, you know, self-worth is tied to that job and he loses his job. And sometimes it's like, what happened to my husband afterwards? In the Seattle area, our economy is just booming. And one of our major employers is this company that you're probably familiar with, Boeing. And uh, one of my campuses is right next to, in fact, it's less than a mile from the major Boeing plant. And oftentimes, Boeing will go out and they will do a massive hiring spree. They'll hire 15,000 people, and then a month later, they'll lay 5,000 people off that have worked there for 20 to 25 years, and they just did that recently. And so there's men in my church who had worked at Boeing their entire adult work life that got laid off or forced into early retirement. And their wives came in and met with me and several of my other staff, and they're like, what happened to my husband? My husband lost his job, and it's like he lost everything. And that is because oftentimes a man's self-worth is tied up in what he does. And so here's some advice for the ladies that are here. Understand that when it comes to your husband or your son or your boyfriend's sense of purpose, there are two things that come along with it. He has this innate desire to solve problems. And he also has this innate desire to succeed. So... Uh, when it comes to solving problems, and maybe this is not you, maybe it is, but my wife uh, will sometimes come home and she will tell me a story. And that story is some terrible injustice that has happened to her this week. It'll be like some barista at Starbucks was incredibly rude or, you know, someone cut her off while she was driving down the freeway. And my wife has an ability to describe this as the most terrible atrocity that has ever come on a human being. And I'm a man. So I'm hearing that my woman is offended and what am I doing? I'm about to take someone out. I mean, I am making a long list of customer service people that I'm going to call and tell them what I think. And then sometimes my wife will come to me, and she will share some terrible thing that has happened to her. And uh, 
I will immediately, in my analytical brain, come up with three steps to immediately solve the problem. Any men like me? <laughs> How does your wife appreciate that? So Di will be done telling me some terrible story, and I'll say, well, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, this, and this, and we'll show those people. And she just says, I just wanted you to listen. <laughs> Any of you married to that person? Okay, good. Um, so it's not just me. So we have a deal that when my wife just wants me to listen, she has to tell me up front. And then I will bite my tongue and not try to solve that problem, even though I believe as a man, there is three steps to solve everything. That's how our mind works. We see a problem. We want there to be some progress. And in the end, we want there to be a big payoff. And I, I, I love to... Uh, challenge the women in our church, sometimes throw your husband a bone. Now, we know you're incredibly capable women. We know that you are probably oftentimes way more capable than we would ever dream of being. But sometimes, let us fix a problem. Makes us feel good. Like, we know you're really capable of changing your own oil, but we like to do those things for you. Because follow this. We see there's a problem. Oh, no. She doesn't get her oil changed, her engine could seize up on the freeway. That could be bad. So we schedule an appointment, take your car and get the oil changed. We see some progress. And then the payoff is knowing that the woman that we love gets to drive on the freeway without her engine seizing up. Sometimes, throw us a bone. Let us solve a problem. But not only that, men are also wired to succeed. Men like to win. It's why guys are so competitive. Um, I, again, I have my 19-year-old daughter here with me, and I love Rachel. I'm really proud of Rachel. She's doing great at the University of Washington. And when Rachel was young, she was a competitive soccer player. So she did all these select soccer teams and things. But the thing I never understood about my dear, sweet, precious daughter was I don't think she ever cared if her team won or lost. I don't think she cared. For Rachel, it all boiled down to, did she like the other girls on her team, and did she have fun? And so she acted the same way after a game, whether they won or lost. Now, as the man in the family, that didn't compute. And so I would oftentimes whine to my wife afterwards and say, why is it Rachel doesn't, and her team doesn't care if they win? Why aren't they more aggressive? Why aren't they more competitive? And Di will correct me all the time. And she will say, Brandon, for Rachel, she wants to make sure that she enjoys the other girls on her team. She wants to make sure that this is an enjoyable experience, so don't ruin it for her. I don't get it because sports are not fun if you don't win. Thank you. Then God blessed me with twin boys. My youngest son, Elijah, he is a worse version of me. He is so competitive, it is ridiculous. So I, I've coached his basketball teams basically since birth. And uh, in junior high school, I coached his junior high school team. 
and his seventh grade year, uh, our team made it all the way through the championship, undefeated. We ended up winning state for his junior high school team. So then the next year, coaching his team again, and now he's an eighth grader, so he gets the chance to shine on this team. It's the starting point guard. We go all the way through the regular season. We win every game. We get into the state tournament. We win every game, make it to the finals again. He is about to end his junior high school year, years undefeated, and we lost by three in the championship because my kid fouled out with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So they do this award ceremony at the end, and they give out a third-place trophy, second-place trophy, and a first-place trophy. And I have never seen a group of boys more mad about a second-place trophy in my life. <laughs> so before we walked out of that gym, I'm walking out with my wife and Elijah and I, and Elijah just drops the trophy in the garbage can. <laughs> and my wife sat him down in the car, and she said, Elijah Beals. You have a good attitude. And it got really quiet, and I was like, I agree with Elijah. I don't want any second-place trophies in our house. You know what else I don't want in my house? Participation trophies. A man did not come up with the idea of a participation trophy. You know who came up with that idea? A team mom. <laughs> Men are competitive because we are wired to succeed, and it all goes back to our sense of and desire for purpose. And ladies, I want to really encourage you, be careful to not put your husband in a situation he can't win. Because men will oftentimes avoid scenarios where they know they're going to lose. What does every man need? Every man needs a purpose to drive and motivate him. Do you guys still like me? Okay. You might not after this one. Number two, every man needs a wife to love and respect him. Paul said this in Ephesians. He said, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Um, I, I want to tell you, ladies, that your husband needs to know more than you love him. He needs to know why you love him. Proverbs tells us that houses and wealth are inherited from parents but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Basically meaning that you can gain wealth simply because dad had a good job and saved well and left you an inheritance. But a prudent wife or other translations will say a good wife or a wise wife is a gift from God. So women, we want you to understand that you are the greatest gift from God that we have in our life. You are important to us. Did you know, ladies, that oftentimes the self-esteem of your husband or your sons rises and falls because of what you think of them? So you need to make sure that your husband knows 
that you love him and that you respect him. And you are thinking, well, Pastor Brandon, how do I make sure he knows that? Well, I'm going to tell you two ways. Number one, you tell him. Well, how do I tell my husband in a way that he will understand? Well, you verbally put words together <laughs> and you speak them to him. Don't assume he's reading your Facebook posts. Our women's ministry director has started this huge campaign, and we have seven campuses in the Seattle area, and she thought this was a great way to unite all the campuses and all the women, and it was this brag on your husband campaign. And, um, you know, everywhere I looked on Facebook, somebody was hashtagging hot husband, you know, as that type of thing. And I walked up to her afterwards, and I said, um, I think this is great, but what you need to realize is that it'd be better uh, for all the men if the women just said these things to them. Because they're not reading their wife's Facebook posts. <laughs> Ladies, don't assume your husband knows anything. In fact, assume he doesn't know anything. <laughs> Just to be honest, we're dumb. We do not read between the lines. You have to, like, tell us. In fact, make it really simple. Draw us a picture. <laughs> Take some little action figures and play out a scenario, and then we'll understand it. But don't assume, uh, we assume that you respect us. You have to tell us, especially as it pertains to what we do. Tell your man how much you appreciate him. Tell him in front of your kids. Tell him in front of his friends. Tell him in front of his coworkers. I will promise you that if you brag on your husband, you will have a full-time maid in the house. <laughs> he will break his back washing dishes and doing yard work. But I also want to warn you, never, ever, ever criticize your husband in public. They'll embarrass him. It'll crush him. And you can't criticize him and then qualify it by saying I'm just teasing you build him up in public and he will break his neck serving you in private you need to tell him that you love him and respect him but then in addition to that you need to show him that you love and respect him you'd say well Pastor Brandon how do I show him any and all frequent forms of physical intimacy I've said this in all two services I've spoke at so far. I'll say this in the third one. Wayman has given me permission to say this. So be mad at him, not me. <laughs> I'm just a man under authority. Um, so what do I mean? It, it means every man's desire is to get to sex with his wife. Got really quiet. This is fist bump, fellas. Um, <laughs> sex is how we express our love to you. It's how we connect emotionally. And not just sex, but other types of physical intimacy, like a hug, a kiss, you know, a side squeeze, what, whatever it may be. Um, sometime when your husband actually goes shopping for clothes for himself, 
and he puts on that new pair of jeans, make sure that he knows you noticed these jeans. Like when he's walking around the house, just say, say, boy, you look good in those jeans. You will watch your husband all of a sudden. He'll be like, say, girl, you mean these jeans? This is my Father's Day present to all the men. Um, ladies, I'm... <laughs> Remember me in the offering after the service. Um, the... Ladies, I have a challenge for you. In fact, I, I dare you to do something. In the next month, when your husband gets home from work, meet him at the door. Just right then. Wrap your arms around him. Kiss him. And don't let go. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Brandon, do you realize what is going on at my house by the time my husband gets home from work? Man, it is absolute pandemonium. I'm trying to finish up dinner. The dog is chasing the cat. The turtle grabbed a gun and is holding the children hostage. <laughs> How am I supposed to do that? I want you to forget about all that craziness. Wrap your arms around him and don't let go. And when he says, what is all this about? You say, I just wanted you to know how much I love and appreciate you. And if you help me with dishes after dinner, I'll show you. <laughs> this bump, fellas. Um, practice physical intimacy often. You want your husband to be satisfied at home so that he's not tempted to seek satisfaction sinfully. You see, without a supportive wife, a man will idle in insecurity. And when a man idles in insecurity, he is susceptible to fall for flattery. And that is flat out men, not an excuse. But if I'm giving couples advice on how to divorce-proof your marriage, ladies, you want to make sure that your husband never craves verbal affection from another woman. You want to make sure that he is satisfied at home so that he is impervious to the flattery of wayward women. Women, you have the ability to create confidence in the man in your life. I, I tell my wife this all the time, that when I know my wife is behind me, I feel like together we are unstoppable. What does every man need? Every man needs a purpose to drive and motivate him. Number two, he needs a wife to love and respect him. And number three, every man needs a father to notice him and be proud of him. Proverbs tells us, my son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Every man needs a father to notice him. James Dobson once said that it is important for a young boy to succeed, but it is ten times more important for that young boy to see his father see him succeed. 
And I've never seen that played out more than in my own sons. You know, both my sons, they're, they're twins, but they're fraternal twins, which means they don't look alike. They're radically different. In fact, if they were both here, you wouldn't even know they were related. And there is nothing similar. They have no similar interests at all. And uh, Judah is, the one that's here, is my martial artist. He's a secondary black belt in Taekwondo. And Judah is the nicest, sweetest kid you'll ever meet. He always smiles. He's known as the kid who just constantly smiles. So the fact that he is like a lethal weapon is really ironic because he's so nice and so kind. And dad makes him compete in black belt tournaments. So in the last black belt tournament Judah was in, and uh, Judah makes it all the way to the championship of this black belt tournament, and he is fighting against a guy who is much more advanced in Taekwondo. He's like a fourth degree black belt. And I always joke if you, this isn't like an old school karate kid reference, but the kid was like trained by the Cobra Kai gym, the other kid. So he's like jumping up in the corner, like pumping himself up and screaming and shouting and he's high-fiving everybody else on his team and Judah's in the other corner just standing like this. And then the round starts, and the Cobra Kai guy goes sprinting at Judah. And he just starts throwing punches and kicks and is shouting as loud as he can. And Judah's just standing there, you know, blocking all of his shots. Like halfway through the round, I mean, the other guy is pummeling Judah. And in this moment, Judah turns in the midst of all of this massive crowd, and he catches eye contact with Dad. And here's what dad does. <laughs> that means, that's dad for unleash wrath on this kid. So Judah starts unleashing on the Cobra Kai kid. By the end of the round, the other kid is crying. All the women are like, oh, that's so sad. All the dads are like, that's my boy. <laughs> Make the other kid cry. Uh, so the other kid is crying in his corner after the round, and Judah is sitting in his, and Judah looks over at me again, and I give him another one of these. This time it meant finish him. <laughs> and so Judah just kind of gives me a head nod, and the other kid refuses to come out for the second round, and Judah wins the championship. It's important for a boy to succeed. It's ten times more important for a boy to see his dad, see him succeed. See, every man needs a father to notice him and be proud of him. A little bit about me. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in a really uh, crazy household. And I only went to church when I was in high school the first time because a cute girl invited me. And I always joke that a cute girl can get a guy to do anything. So I went to church and sat through probably four or five weeks of sermons. But it wasn't until I heard this verse that my life started changing. And it was Psalm 68.5. And Psalm 68.5 tells us about God, that he is a father to the fatherless. And then the next verse says that he puts the lonely in families. 
And I remember sitting in that service thinking, if God can really take this young man who feels like he is fatherless, if God can be like a father that will notice me and be proud of me, if God can take this lonely guy and put him in a family, then that is a God that I want to serve. So to this day, I serve Jesus because he is my heavenly father. He is a father to the fatherless. And church, I want you to know, you might be here today and Father's Day is painful. But he is a father to the fatherless. And he puts the lonely in families. 